What's up? It's me, Carter Abbey. I made it out of the Hollow Man alive. You know, when everybody else was looking for Kevin Bacon. And uh, that green suit of his, the invisible guy, loved doing that show. It's Greg Grunberg, of course, here. Um, and that movie still holds up. I mean, the effects are awesome, all of that. But my one advice to you just going forward in life is um, don't go out there. Don't go out there. Love to you guys. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. We really appreciate y'all. Y'all have been super awesome and supportive. We really appreciate it. Before we get into tonight's film, we just want to give a quick shout out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. I cannot compliment Brian enough. He has done a fantastic job designing that website. Uh, all of our episodes and interviews are there from episode one, A Nightmare on Elm Street, to our weekly releases on there. If you want to listen, maybe you have an office job or, you know, you don't have access to your phone, check us out on your computer. We also have all of our interviews from, you know, Freddy Krueger himself to the Jasons, the Michaels, the best final girls, writers, directors. Check us out. Check out them interviews. We've done several and it's a lot easier to just find them there instead of scrolling through 300 episodes on Spotify or Apple podcast. Uh, shout out our store. We've got some awesome new t-shirts. Brian, Dustin can't compliment them enough. Again, they've done some incredible designs, some classic like Nintendo themed ones, some wrestling themed ones. They're awesome. Check out our, our new shirts. We'd love to see your pictures as well. Like it just means so much that we got fans all over the world and all over the country who rep our stuff. It means a lot to us. And I want to shout out our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Like us, subscribe us, follow us, all that good stuff. Uh, we love interacting with our fans. We just hit 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. That means so much to us. That's been a big goal of mine personally to, you know, hit 1K on there just because it's a big milestone. We really appreciate the support. Uh, and the last thing I want to shout out is our blood donors. It's a, our form of a Patreon. Tonight is a blood donor review. We have the traditional monthly reoccurring kind. If uh, you know, you're a big fan, you want to help us out. All that money just goes directly back into the podcast, and we really appreciate the support. Or if you're a big fan of a movie and you want us to review it, that tier is available as well, like we're doing tonight. Uh, tonight is a big fan of the show, Mr. Kenneth Welch. Uh, he hit us up and said, hey, I really want to hear y'all review 2000's Hollow Man, so by God, we're doing that. I'll give my little quick thoughts. I'll be honest with you guys. I enjoyed Hollow Man. I thought it was fun. I was really invested the whole movie the, until the ending. I don't really like the ending. It kind of falls apart at the end gets a little too over the top, too hokey, but all the way up until then I'm invested. I, I had a really good time with the movie. Uh, that's just my general thoughts. Uh, Brian, what do you think? Yeah, I kind of think a lot of the same things. A, a lot of people I saw on the interwebs disliked this movie, you know, I guess because they're offended. It's an invisible man ripoff. I don't know, but I liked it in my junior year of high school when it came out. I saw it on a date, uh, but I never remember watching it again. You know, how does it hold up over 20 years later for me? It's still pretty good. You know, I don't know what to tell you. You know, what it, you know, what it does for me is the Paul Verhoeven aspect because to me, it's more real under him. Like he's not afraid to show that dirty side of humanity. Um, the Invisible Man story is never going to delve 
into rape, for example. Like, let's be honest. Uh, and I think Paul Verhoeven was the perfect man to do this because, I mean, hell, look at Starship Troopers, uh, Robocop, Showgirls, Total Recall, all were rated NC-17 at first. I mean, that dude don't give a fuck. Now, the dialogue is is pretty cheesy, I think, throughout. Uh, the CG is that early 2000 CG, but I personally would say it holds up. Uh, I mean, it was it was nominated for a fucking Oscar for Best Visual Effects in 2000, so they don't suck. <laughs> uh, my only big issue is like Nico is the ending, really, but there's a ton of lot of interesting here in between that, that I'm ready to delve into leading up to that shit show finale. <laughs> okay, so full disclosure, not only had I never seen this movie before, which is kind of rare, I'd never even heard of this movie before. So this was a brand new experience for me, which kind of excited me at you know, when I realized we were going to be doing it, I, I, I was like, man, that excites me. It's like a, I get to experience something for the first time, which doesn't happen that often on this show. So just for my general thoughts, it's certainly a ride. Like it takes me out a ride. I agree with you. The overall sentiment is that it is a fun watch. And that's kind of weird to say, given some of the content. And, you know, Brian, you mentioned the themes that it delves into. I like that stuff, but. I, I felt like maybe halfway through there was a tonal shift and it kind of ruined, like I feel like if the whole movie kind of played on those themes or played on a little bit of the darker elements, I would be all locked in. But I think about halfway through, you know, we kind of get a different feeling movie and it. It's not bad. It's just, I kind of left my, I kind of found myself wanting a different story that was that way the whole time. But again, I, I, I enjoy a lot of things, but I would change a lot of things as well. I'll get into that, but just here off the top, I'm glad we get to do another fucking Kevin Bacon movie. Hell yeah. And it was nice to cover something original, <laughs> you know, and I know the Invisible Man ripoff is kind of lingering there, but I don't know. I think they're very different films, man. I don't, I don't think there's very many similarities with this story and the Invisible Man. So at least not to me. I, I mean, the idea of an invisible man, yes, but the stories I find to be a lot different. Um, as much as I am a fan of franchises, it was pretty cool to do a one-off movie. Anyways, I liked it. But, but I didn't love it, and that's a shame because I felt like I should have or could have. I will say I have done, I've done this with other first-time watches. So these notes were taken live at the very first time that I have ever seen this film. So if there's something early in my notes that gets answered later in my notes, I don't give a fuck because these are my fucking notes. So that's how my notes went. When I watch a movie for the first time, I want to go in. I wanted to get my live reaction as it happens. So I'm excited that I finally got to do that again because it's been a long time. Yeah, this movie's cool. Back to you, Nico. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I saw this movie like a, around the time it came out. I can't remember if it was the year 2000 you know, when it came out or if it was maybe a year or two after that. But um, I hadn't seen it in over 20 years. So there's that. And I didn't remember much of it. I did remember certain scenes. I was like, oh, yeah, that was cool. Like the uh, the reanimation scenes, we'll get to that. I thought that was fantastic. Even though the CGI may not hold up, it's still really cool. Um, I think the acting's fine. I think it drags on a little bit long at times. Like the runtime, 152, I did feel a little bit. And also, um, I think that his character progression was a little too fast for me. Like, he was a little obnoxious at first, but he wasn't rapey to me. Uh, yeah, well, maybe he was. Thank, he, you, for, thank you for saying that, because that's kind of what yeah. I was getting at. So, I'm glad so you said that. he was a peeping Tom, so I don't know. Maybe the, the signs were there, but it's it just like, I'll use Brian's favorite movie, The Shining, as an example. 
we really got to feel we really got to feel Jack's uh don't give me that look Jack's progression like it made sense that you know hit this this path that he was on developed to to that point because we you know it was more drawn out this one is just like ah he's a he's a prick but he's an okay guy he's just got a big ego oh now he's invisible and he's a rapist we're here so but uh, you know other than that i think the movie is is it's got its charm to it it's got its uh it's got its merit and yeah i, I didn't hate it all right, uh, I'll say a small issue I had was I kind of felt like Linda kind of gave mixed signals a lot. I don't know if that was a, really an issue I had, but I did notice it. Like the little balcony scene, she was, she definitely seemed like she still had her thing for Sebastian going on. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I do agree with you, Dustin, b- before we start. That was kind of my point. You just put it more eloquently. Is the fact that he kind of takes, along with the whole film, takes just a, a shift. And like it's going down a lane and then d- d- decides to make a right turn. And I don't hate that we're going – you know, right on this other street. I just kind of wish we kept going straight in this lane. I would have wanted to see that movie. But, I mean, again, it, it, it's 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 kind of a nitpick because, I mean, Kevin Bacon's so fucking good he pulls it off. Well, yeah, and that's what my, my point of view is, is that I feel like that he plays it so well at the beginning, you can see that that dark side is already there. He just gets Fair. the opportunity to, you know, show it. He's certainly a son of a bitch. <laughs> he's a he's he's a fucking asshole. Oh, I love him. <laughs> All right, guys, y'all ready to jump into the scene by scene? All right, here we go. The film starts with opening credits as we see cells under a microscope. Title card. We see a lab rat trapped in a cage and is suddenly picked up and eaten by an invisible predator. Sebastian is at home working and eating Twinkies. He peeps at his neighbor across the alley as she shuts the blinds as she undresses. He gets an epiphany and jumps back on his computer. He's cracked the code. He video calls Linda at 4.12 a.m. and asks who's in bed with her. He says he's cracked the reversion and shows her his screen. He credits coffee and Twinkies. He says he'll see her in a few. Linda wakes Matt up saying he's cracked the reversion. They spring up and get dressed and Matt says he's tired of sneaking around with their relationship. She's not ready to tell Sebastian. Sebastian is jamming out heading to work. He briefly chats with the guard and heads to the lab. Matt checks on the animals as they go berserk. He enters Isabel the Invisible Ape's cage and goes to give her a shot, but he's grabbed and hurt. The ape escapes and Sebastian gets out tranquilizers. He bets him $10, he shoots her first, and he does. Sarah walks up and says, this is bullshit, injecting Isabel with a new serum without testing it first. Sebastian asks Linda why he hired Sarah and about her new man. They get Isabel on the table and check her vitals. Frank acts as God, and Sebastian says, I'm God. Sarah finds a vein and they inject the serum into Isabel. We see her veins appear and the serum travel to her heart. Her spine, brain now begin to appear and Isabel now reacts badly to the serum. Blood pressure crashing, pulse is high. She goes into cardiac arrest and they use the paddles on her four times and she comes back to life. She stabilizes and becomes visible again as her body forms. Frank tells them all brain activity normal and she's stable. They all celebrate and Sebastian condescendingly asks Sarah how she's doing. He now tells her he wants to slice her brain in a few weeks. They're all out to dinner having drinks and celebrating now. Linda notices Sebastian is gone and finds him outside on the balcony. She asks why isn't he smiling. He feels like he's at the end of the wor- end of the road research-wise. The two smile at each other and compliment each other. He asks her if she'd ever want to go back in time and try again. He leans in for a kiss, but she backs away. He walks off confused. Back at the lab, Sebastian asks one of the invisible dogs, what's it like? 
Sebastian is giving a presentation now to the Pentagon on their research. He lies about how far along they've gotten and asks for more time. Dr. Kramer says he's always known he's different and his genius is impressive. He tells him his patience is running out and if he can't make it work, he'll find someone else. Linda and Matt confront him about what's going on. He says, let's go to phase three by themselves. Sarah asks how they got approved for phase three and he says he volunteered himself. She can't believe the committee approved this. It's bad science. Sebastian says he will stay shifted for three days and he says he hopes he can count on them. Linda is trying to put that thing on Matt, but he can't stop thinking about work. He now asks if she ever misses being with him. She says the concept of Sebastian is a more appealing than actual Sebastian. All right, Brian, that's opening set of scenes I got. What'd you think? First of all, how about Elizabeth Shue getting first billing in a movie over Kevin Bacon at this point in his career? I saw that and I was like, whoa, okay, okay. Had a girl, Jennifer Parker. But with that said, come on. I mean, Kevin Bacon steals this movie, like Mike mentioned. Uh, you know, Guy Busick and Edward Norton were considered, but I'm glad they went with Bacon. He plays this so damn well. He does such a great job of, in my opinion, progressively showing a slip into insanity. So it'd be interesting to kind of see our counterpoints on that later on. Um, the great thing about this character and how he's written to me is like you can totally see where he's coming from, uh, you know, and the personality from the start in this set of scenes here to where it ends up. I can totally see happening. Um, now that kind of plays into this where, you know, right off the bat with this gorilla, just, just fucking this rat up while under the invisibility serum, by the way, you're watching this and you're like, Oh yeah, this is definitely a Verhoeven film. <clears throat> First of all, and a whole nother sidebar again, I'll argue this one all day. I think the effects still hold up and uh, shout out to Sony image works and Phil Tippett studios for the effects work. But right off the bat with this gorilla, this is supposed to be a gorilla of like a herbivore race doing this. So it kind of shows the progression of the effects of the serum over time. But I don't think you need that, you know, like I think we could have been fine without blaming the serum for the effects like that later that it had on Sebastian. I think, like I said, his personality was enough to show that age old adage, you know, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Just my opinion. Um, cool scene, but not really needed, in my opinion, is all. And also that first scene with the gorilla shifting back, I love the way that this thing starts at the, the outer skin and kind of shows you basically the invisibility eating away at everything, almost virus-like. Very cool idea, I always thought. And, and yeah, it's been duplicated a lot since this movie, like even the vein popping shot, just chef's kiss. I thought it was all great. But yeah, going back to the Sebastian, I had to be careful with phrasing here. I like the scene with him peeping at his neighbor, uh, my girl, Rona Mitra, we are definitely going to cover her again soon because I'm picking Underworld Rise of the Lycans. Maybe Nico will pick it. I don't know for sure, but she plays Sonya in that movie. She's a badass. I love her. Um, but I love the setup because it shows Sebastian has that pervy dark side to him. Um, you know, and actually Verhoeven had a very interesting comment on this that I'm going to bring up during that scene and a couple of scenes, you know, here coming on. But um, lastly, I just want to talk about this, quote, group. I feel like the dialogue is a little cheesy. Yeah. And, th and that goes along, like I said, with, with Paul Verhoeven movies. And unfortunately shoe gets the brunt of that dialogue, but looking past that, I really love this group of scientists like Josh Brolin, Kim Dickens and Greg Grunberg, who did, by the way, and we'll bring it up later. He did uh he did the intro for us for this and like kind of, kind of give us some behind the scenes stuff that we're going to play after this. So stick around after this episode, we're going to, we're going to show that shout out Greg Grunberg there. He's great. But I feel like they have a, uh, the whole group has a really good chemistry and camaraderie. 
the big three actually remind me a lot of Denise Richards, Milton Florida's Casper Van Dien, and Patrick Muldoon in Starship Troopers. Um, even their old Lyle Love Triangle, too. It's got a got a kind of a good parallel there. Sorry, Mike, go ahead. Oh, no, you're good, man, because, again, my notes are literally in live time as I'm learning how this film unfolds. So I don't know if they'll be as educational and in-depth as yours, but we're going to try. Uh, all right, I started out like this. The opening credits felt like I was about to watch a Disney Channel original movie, like, under wraps or something. So I was like, all right, like, I don't really know what I'm in for here. Here's my thing on the effects. I think they don't hold up, but I don't think that makes them bad, if that makes sense. Like, I almost think there's a little bit of a charm. And for the time, like you mentioned in your open, Brian, very revolutionary. Uh, j- just, you know, they look cool, but compared to some of the effects we have now, and again, there's bad CG, so I'm not saying every movie that's put out now is better. But when you compare it to the good ones we have now, and it, it does fall a little flat. But I think that kind of has charm to it. The year... 2000 kind of experiment with CG. I think it, I think that it works. Uh, this is our third movie with Kevin Bacon now. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'd wish he would become Freddy because then we get to review another fucking Kevin Bacon movie. I'll talk more about that later. Um, it's not super often that we get a horror movie on this show that involves genetic scientists. So I thought that was interesting. Um, <laughs> da Vinci wasn't half as smart as he claimed to be if he didn't like to sleep. Sleep is elite, even though I know on this show we think naps are for pussies. I'm going to disagree and say the naps are fucking awesome. Um, Kevin Bacon can't sing for shit. I don't know if that was on purpose, but he fucking sucked at singing in the car. Um, but again, he plays his character so well, and that's the first thing that stands out to me as I'm watching this movie is just how much I'm liking his character now. I won't like it later, but he makes me care about this character, Sebastian. Just an egotistical, cocky scientist is kind of the way I took it at first. And like again... The charisma shines through, and as someone who traditionally likes the villain in a story, uh, just from an entertainment standpoint, I immediately latched onto the character of Sebastian. What I will say now is I'm going to rally against the use of apes uh, for testing. I think that's bullshit, and I wish we would quit doing it to our closest living ancestors, but I can't wait for the Planet of the Apes to happen to us in real life in about a 1,000 years because we fucking deserve it. Um, I, I had to note that the liquid they were injecting looked like Hawaiian Punch, was in, which is an elite sugary beverage. I agree with you, Brian. I love this group of scientists. Maybe not their, like their dialogue, but I, I love, I don't know, they have witty banter. They look like a group that would actually be in a lab working together. I believe that these people would work in this lab. So, again, I like it. And, again, I, now, remember, I don't know what this plot is because uh, I wanted to go into it fresh. I said, I said, so this motherfucker made a gorilla invisible just to make him visible again. I was so confused at the start of this movie, but I got it eventually. Um, you know, you get to the dinner, talk about an ego hit, man. My man was shunned with no kiss. I mean, that's the Stephen A. Smith pain meme in real life, 100%. I do like the fact that my man lied to the government. That's my kind of fucking man right there. Fuck, fuck the IRS and all the taxes and everything else. Uh, I, I wrote down because I watched this movie alone. So my wife would hate this guy because he doesn't follow a single fucking rule. Not one rule that's laid out in front of Kevin Bacon in this movie does he follow up at all. So my wife would be just have anxiety as she watched this movie with me. Last thing, um, I wouldn't be asking work questions while my girlfriend, future wife, was about to put her you know, my glizzy in her mouth, man. That's just that, that's just not. <laughs> Not what I'm thinking about right now when you're trying to, you know, 
get it on with me here. So shut the fuck up is what I would have said if I were her and just got to work. But anyway, so I like the set of scenes. It really did engage me, especially the character of Sebastian. I want to know more. I want to figure out where this story is headed. So I think we get a great opening score. Uh, I like the credits and title card. It really sets the tone for the movie. Like it's creepy. It's sciencey. I think it's a nice combo there. I, I really like that. <clears throat> then the first image we see is the most terrifying thing on the planet. A nasty ass rat. Fuck that. I hate rats with all my heart. I'll pick up a black wood. I picked up a black wood on my house, took it outside. I don't care about wild snakes, right. but you put a rat near me. No, fuck that. Absolutely. Uh, but <clears throat> it was met by something even scarier, an invisible predator. So I'm in automatically. Like I'm, I'm into this movie at this point. And then there's a visible predator. It's Kevin Bacon. He's a peeping Tom. Um, yeah. So I guess the groundwork is laid there for him to have his issues, but Again, I just think the progression from just looking at a girl's uh, tits through the window is a little bit different than filling them up because she can't see you. Like, I don't know. Um, I like the animal cages here. I like how they were shot. The empty cage is shaking. Like, it's enough to show us that the animals are invisible. And then the thermovision is a nice added touch. It's very weird to me, though, that they did this experiment without the goggles. Like, you'd think they'd want to be able to see Isabel. They've got her on the table, and no one's wearing the goggles. They're just like, oh, we'll spray it. Oh, there's her vein stick. So didn't like that. And then, like I said earlier, it's a really cool visual as Isabel starts coming back to visibility. Like the progression was awesome to watch of the reanimation. I love Sebastian asking Linda about going back in time and her saying that kind of time travel doesn't exist because, like Brian mentioned, that's Jennifer. And she'll always be Jennifer from Back to the Future. So I love that line. That was just a little inside fastball for me. Uh, and then my man, Matthew, he's got some insecurities. Linda is ready to go. And he's asking if she misses Sebastian. Has some damn dignity, man. Even even if you're like, oh, we can talk about this later. No, be a man. Don't ask your girl about her ex. Be a man. But it's a good set of scenes. I'm into the movie so far because it's got enough of the elements to keep me uh, keep me engaged. All right, Sebastian is being prepped to be shifted. And he tells a story of Superman and Wonder Woman that falls super flat. He undresses and lies down on the operating table. Linda asks him if he's sure about this. Frank and Janice both call dibs on his Porsche. Sebastian injects himself and nothing happens at first. But then he tells him his arm is getting warm and tingling. He begins to convulse violently and his body begins to shift. He didn't expect it to hurt this bad. His vitals are very bad. All his vitals go back to normal as his body goes invisible. Linda is asleep as Matt sneaks up on her and scares her by accident. It's been 17 hours and they have two lifetimes worth of data. He tells him to turn the lights off. He can't close his eyes. He takes off all the monitors and looks at himself in the mirror. The group all ask him how it is as he dims the lights. Frank puts on the infrared goggles and finds him as they all joke around. Sebastian lies down as Linda explains there will be someone here all the time and the group's within 30 minutes of arriving if needed. Sarah pulls the late night shift. She nods off quick as Sebastian tries to sleep. We see a POV shot walk into the control room where she's sleeping. He brushes her hair and unbuttons her shirt. He cops a feel and she wakes up suddenly in shock and calls his name. She asks if he's in here and she sees him lie back down in bed. Matt asks him how his first night was and says he should tell the on-call person where he's going. She asks him if he was looking at her and walks off angered. Janice goes to the bathroom but is alarmed when she hears noises in there with her. 
She puts her goggles on and uses the bathroom. The group now ask each other about being invisible, and they all think it's creepy. But they didn't realize Sebastian was sitting at the table with them. Sebastian plays a prank on Linda by moving her can of Coke repeatedly. He says she has no idea how fun this is. He gives her a massage and rubs her hair. He kisses her and she springs up and goes to leave. He asks if she wants to make love with an invisible man. He pulls her dress up and she walks out telling him to get rest. It's a big day tomorrow. They get him prepped for, for D-Phase protocol. He jokes he's not ready. He was just starting to enjoy himself. They inject him with the serum and he begins gasping. Something's not right, he says. He begins to react badly and he says he can't breathe. They hold him down until he kicks Carter and Matt off of him. He passes out on the ground and they set him back on the table. They intubate him and he has no pulse. They give CPR as well and he comes back alive, but his body goes invisible again. Later that night, Linda is bedside with him and tells him he almost died. She asks, what are they going to tell Kramer? He says, nothing. We'll have to lie a little longer. They make an epoxy-like skin they pour over his head. They show him his new look in the mirror and they go to research where they went wrong. Matt and Linda are grinding, but they can't figure it out. Sebastian is, is escorted to a toilet and he vomits. He says he doesn't know how much more testing he can take, and he snaps on Matt. All right, Brian, it's the next set of scenes I got. What'd you think? <laughs> Dude, call me what you will, and I know that it was a foreshadowing thing with Sebastian telling this joke to, to Linda and Matthew, but I didn't remember this joke on this rewatch, and it made me laugh my ass off. I think, no, no, no. I know that it's the way that Kevin Bacon says, one of them sits up and says, what the fuck was that? I don't know. My sense of humor is fucked up, I know, but I was, I'm, I'm laughing, obviously, just thinking about it. Um, <clears throat> I forgot that we uh, get to see Kevin Bacon's dick in this movie, which is a third time and three times too damn many that I've seen Kevin Bacon's dick, counting the deleted scenes from 1998's Wild Things. Pretty fucking, you know, just that's on, that's, that's, that's recorded forever and going to be on the internet. You know, anyway, that's uh, which is also a weird segue into this, but whatever. At this point in the movie, yeah, he's a prick, you know, personality wise, but you know, he's still charming enough that you still, I don't know, I still kind of like him. I mean, he's a good guy at this point, kind of just one that that pushes the envelope and isn't perfect. And I'll go ahead and quote Verhoeven here too, because I think it's a pretty damn interesting quote. Hollow Man leads you by the hand and takes you with Sebastian into teasing behavior, naughty behavior and then really bad and ultimately evil behavior. At what point do you abandon him? I'm thinking when he rapes the woman would probably be the moment that people decide this is not exactly my type of hero, though I must say a lot of viewers follow him further than you would expect. I don't know. I thought that was pretty interesting. Which takes you into the scene, you know, with Sebastian fondling Kim Dickens' as Sarah in Observation Lounge, which this is what I was talking about earlier. The, the serum hasn't had time in my opinion, to affect Sebastian. So this is just him. Like, but, but now with that, you know, uh, he just has a corrupting power now. So that's why I don't think that there was really a reason to have this serum subplot. Like it's okay to just make him an evil fucker down low who was holding it back because he had to. I mean, uh, they actually also cut a scene with Sarah talking to Linda about this incident. Um, and I'm not real sure why it was cut. Honestly, I felt like, I mean, that should probably have been in there. Um, anyway, great effects on the change and the eyelids thing. I never read H.G. Wells, The Invisible Man. Maybe Mike has, but apparently it's touched on there, you know, but, you know, about him not being able to see through your eyelids. I don't think I've ever seen that addressed anywhere else before. And I thought it was very, very cool and very interesting. 
like it's a it's a thought provoking touch there. I really liked it. And uh, last things, just two things I thought were pretty cool. Uh, when Sebastian's shift change, like when it goes bad and they pick him up, they actually gave Brolin and Shu a metal skeleton, so they didn't have to pretend like that they were struggling with a with a you know human body. Like it was actually heavy. So I thought that was a nice touch. And the software used is my favorite one. The software used to track Sebastian uses the Omni Consumer Products OCP logo. Fans will recognize from RoboCop. Essentially, putting these in the same universe. I'd say. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. First things first, I'm not signing up to become invisible in this science ass way. Like if you want to do some Harry Potter cloak of invisibility stuff where it's magic, that's cool. But to just become invisible in this, you know, really sophisticated way, nah, I'm cool on that. Um, <laughs> I do like that they call their little area that sits above everything heaven. Like I think the banter of them being God asks, you know, look, look, this movie's not asking that. For this movie, we're made by, say, A24. I feel like that, that would represent something and start at, I know you love that, Brian. But it would ask a bigger, you know, moral question of all this science testing and all, you know, genetic labs and all that stuff. I think it would have more to say. But I'm almost kind of glad it doesn't so we can still keep it kind of fun and light until a little bit later. But, again, this is a horror movie from the odds. It's not an A24 film, so I'm glad. I'll say this man injected himself with the serum, which looks like, Blue Kool-Aid, which I'm very fond of as well. Uh, I can't even use tweezers on myself to pull out a splinter. Someone else has to do it. So I don't think I could sit there and inject myself with blue Kool-Aid. Um, I'm pretty pissed. The fact that we saw Kevin Bacon sausage, that's bullshit. Didn't need that. I, that's just unfortunate. Um, again, I'm ignoring the fact that I don't love the effects because it still looks fucking cool. Like, it almost looks like a... A PS2 video game, much better. But you get my point. Like just like comparatively to how we view a PS5 compared to PS2 graphics. Like I think that's all I mean by it. They're not bad per se. They're just not as good. But this whole Kevin Bacon becoming invisible, all the effects there, I love it. It's such a cool scene to me. Um, something I don't think I've ever seen in a movie before. Now I will say this: not in the same way that Sebastian does. But I would fuck with people if I were invisible. All the t- like, I would fuck with them and play all kinds of pranks so fucking much. It, I would. It would be obnoxious. It would be absurd. I could never do it. Could never do it. Um, now, what I don't like is that you have to be under surveillance the whole time. Whether you're taking a dump, like whatever. I don't want to be watched the entire time. I'm invisible. I think that's kind of bullshit. Um, and again, this is my live reaction. So I wasn't really, you know, like Brian said, up to this point, I like. Sebastian, he's a cocky prick, uh, which, you know, as a wrestling fan are the kind of characters I I, toured, I tend to lean towards. But then he pulls a whole ass titty out, man. Damn. Like, she, it, was, it was a really weird scene that caught me off guard. I'm like, okay, this man's going around sexually assaulting people. I don't like this motherfucker anymore, man. It completely took a shift. Um, <laughs> the Again, this man turns invisible and immediately starts sexually assaulting people. No wonder women think we suck. I'm sure if you're a woman and you you saw this movie, you're like, of course. That's exactly what happened. I'll say I really enjoyed this scene where the testing goes wrong and it doesn't work and they're trying to change him back to do the reversion. I think it's intense. I love the way everyone reacts. I think the acting in this scene is probably the best in the whole film as far as as a group. I knew he wouldn't die, but they had me for just a second. Um, 
And again, last thing, I don't like this whole thing that Sebastian's pissed at everyone because this isn't going the way he thought. When this man literally was so confident and so egotistical that he volunteered himself for this testing. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't work for me. And, you know, they finally put this, like, skin on, and I'm getting Uncanny Valley vibes, man. Like, it's Kevin Bacon, I can kind of see, but he's hu- he's human, but he's not human. It's a really weird vibe for the rest of the film for me, especially with the eyes cut out. It looks like a Michael Myers mask. Okay, that's all I had. Go ahead, Dustin. Yeah, so <clears throat> I know I hadn't seen this movie in, like, 20-plus years, like I said, but Superman being a rapist in his story, that's not something I had on my bingo card for this episode. Like, what a fucked up joke, story, fable, whatever that was that he told. <clears throat> but uh, just like I like seeing Isabel transition back to visibility, the optics of Sebastian becoming invisible, that was awesome as well, minus Kevin Bacon, Ass and Wiener, like you guys already mentioned, didn't. You know, we didn't have to see that. Um, and then, yeah, boom, he commits invisible sexual assault right off rip. We're not even halfway through the movie. Okay. That's what we're doing. Then we get a really cool optic again of the reanimating, and he kicked the absolute fuck out of Matthew. Like, I laughed so hard at that. I had to rewind it and watch it again. Like, he's convulsing on the table and everything, but he kicked him square in the fucking face. That was awesome. <clears throat> then when they pour the rubber shit over him, you know, they, they do, they cut his mouth open so he could talk. They cut his eyes open so he could see, but they didn't cut ear holes. How the fuck could he hear? And then also no nose holes, so he's just mouth breathing the whole time. I, I had problems with that. That bothered me. I don't know. I couldn't let it go. I couldn't get past it. And then when he puked, it answered my question, though. I was curious about would his fluids remain invisible after they leave his body. That was weird to me, honestly. I don't I don't know. Would that be the case? I mean, it's all hypothetical and impossible anyway, but that was weird. He's puking in the toilet. But it was pretty cool to, to hear you know, the puke hitting the toilet and you not see anything. So the optic was cool. Um, but then, like, his villain turn starts in this set of scenes. But like I said, I, you know, I guess, Brian, you and I are just on opposite sides of the spectrum there. Like, I, I just think it's too it's too much of a leap. Isabel had been invisible for how long before she started eating, uh, you know, meat or live animals? The serum, I think, is needed because his character wasn't unlikable enough when he was visible. He was just a little bit douchey, but like, I'm sorry, but I don't assume that every douchebag that I meet is going to be capable of some of the shit that he's about to be doing. So I just wish that we would have like, he should have been more diabolical as a scientist, more yeah, lying to the government to get, you know, to go ahead and do the testing is one thing, but it just, it was too much of a leap for him to already be doing some of the shit that he's doing. Go ahead. Um, a man scorned can be evil though. <laughs> All right, anywho, Carter is looking at a nude magazine jamming out as Sebastian is pissed and throws his chair across the room. He tells Carter he's going out for a while. He tells him he's not allowed to leave the compound, but he changes the rule and leaves. He says he'll be back in a few hours. Carter calls Linda and tells her they have a problem. Sebastian sneaks past the guard shack and speeds out the parking lot. He scares some kids in the car beside him, revealing his invisible face and drives away. Matt heads to the lab, and Linda says she's going to swing by his place first, just in case. He makes it home and eats a Twinkie. He sees his neighbor in the window again and stares. He tells himself, don't even think about it. But then, who's going to know? He removes his mask, and the neighbor hears her doorbell ring as she gets out of the shower. 
She doesn't see anyone, but it rings again. She opens the door and sees no one still. He runs in her apartment real quick like. She goes back in her room and brushes her hair at the mirror. Her mirror begins to move and she grows alarmed. It happens again and she's frightened. She stands up and backs away. She's grabbed and we cut to Linda who arrives to his apartment. She notices the door unlocked and goes inside. She sees the mask on the floor and she calls Matt. She leaves his apartment and cautiously takes the elevator. He's back in his apartment and he washes his face. Frank hands out tranquilizers as he makes it back to the lab. Linda calls BS on him going to just pick stuff up. He says he's still project manager, and she says if he leaves again, she'll go to the committee. Sebastian jokes he's officially a lab rat and asks Carter to get him an exercise wheel. Sarah asks Linda if the committee knows or not, and she admits they don't know. Linda tells Matt she's worried if, it, if it's begun affecting his mind. Carter asks what it's like being out in the world, and he says he'd fuck with people and be a pervert, essentially. Sebastian says he scared a girl and he liked it as he kills a fly. We're in Linda's room and her blanket is pulled off her, her top and underwear as well. She wakes up in fear as the phone rings. Matt says he thinks he's found the B and C. They're running a test and they think they've got it. Almost complete, but it fails. Sebastian tells Matt 95% isn't even worth his time. Linda tells him he needs your help, but he thinks Matt is just trying to kill him. He grabs her and presses her to the door and says he has no life and he caresses her face. She asks what bothers him most, that he doesn't have a life or she does. He's in bed now eating a Twinkie, and he gets up and tells Frank he's coming to the lab. He takes a board and replaces it in his room monitor, so it looks like he's always in bed. We're outside Linda's apartment complex, and Sebastian pushes a homeless man's buggy and climbs the stairs up to her window. He sees that her new boyfriend is Matt. They begin to get intimate, and then suddenly the window shatters. They look out and don't see anything. Linda calls Frank and he says he's staring at him on the monitor. Sebastian is pacing, asking if he's good enough, and snaps on a dog barking. He grabs it and bashes it against the cage, killing it. Linda walks into the lab, calling for him. She sees he's gone, and he's rigged the monitor. Linda says they're going to the committee, and she and Matt will take full responsibility. They're at Dr. Kramer's house now, admitting to their lie. He tells them to clean out their offices, and we'll handle Sebastian. He goes to call the other generals, but the phones are dead. He notices the back door is open and heads outside. Sebastian pushes him into the pool and drowns him. Miss Kramer sees the commotion but can't make it there in time to save him. The next set of scenes are ending. Brian, what would you think? First of all, when Carter was looking at that Playboy, all that played in my head was Billy Madison saying, it's Nudie Magazine Day. Um, but on a more serious note, this rape scene, I mean, it's pretty much wow as it is, but apparently there was a lot cut, You know, not necessarily showing the rape. Because in Verhoeven's words, he said that an invisible man raping a woman would look ridiculous in any context. So his intention was never to show that, but he did cut portions of it where it was showing first person views like through his eyes, like Michael Myers style. Um, interesting fact uh, as well. This is actually the second movie that Rona Mitra has uh, has done where she filmed a brutal rape scene and nude scene and mostly had it edited out of the final film. The other was uh, 1999's Beowulf. So, um, but there was there was a great shot I felt like there, where cinematographer uh, Josh Facano was was very it was very cool how when Rona was sitting in front of that mirror putting on the lotion, the camera pans from one side to behind her to the opposing side. Obviously, as they're showing a first person POV shot from Sebastian, but they do a great job of hiding the camera and not having it 
reflect in that mirror. I thought that was really cool, especially for the time back then. It wasn't as easy, I guess, as it is now to just, you know, edit something out. Um, I didn't really understand the point, especially in like Dustin mentioned in an hour and what, 59 minute movie or whatever it was. Why do you need this meeting with everyone? Why did he drag everyone up in the middle of the night to show them the protein structure and it failing out? Like as a scientist, wouldn't Matthew have tested this first? It seemed kind of dumb. Like I understand it was just a show kind of Sebastian getting more short fused, but it really just didn't make any sense to me. I, I don't understand why it was there. Um, this set of scenes though was, was full of pretty cool visuals like Sebastian catching that fly. Um, I hated the dog being killed, which there's a funny little fact about that in the, uh, ASPCA, like we'll get to you at the end though. But, um, the effect with drowning Kramer in his pool screen legend, Will Devane. I mean, it looked, it looks good to me now, like in, in 2000, like, holy shit. I mean, come on, that looks great. Um, it, it did take a ridiculous amount of time for, for Miss Kramer to get down the stairs though. I'll say that like, that's, you know, she looked out the window and, you know, he was still taking breaths. So it, he was able to kill him. I don't know. It was crazy. Um, but this is, you know, that's all I had for the set of scenes and also where the movie kind of starts to lose me some. Yeah. This is the least amount that I have on anything. I think it, it doesn't start to drag here. That's more in the next set of scenes. I think there's just like a really long ending, but I'm kind of ready to wrap it up a little bit towards the end of this set of scenes. So it, it was struggling to keep my attention a little bit. It got it back, but it was struggling for sure. I said, first of all, Carter is making me proud. <laughs> my man is jamming the music, looking at nudie magazines. That's my guy right there. Man, did justice for Carter. I'll explain that later. Sebastian's music taste is pretty shit, though. As <laughs> he backs out of his garage, we have to hear Kevin Bacon fucking sing again, which is awful. Um, also... The, the funniest thing in the movie is him scaring these kids. I would scare those kids too. Fuck them kids. Um, watching someone through the window that's naked and you know it for more than 0.2 seconds because it was an accident. It's fucking creepy. It's weird. It's not cool. It gets very popularized with the show you. And I think they don't do a good enough job making it look near as creepy as it actually is. Uh, so again, that, uh, this is the set of scenes that Sebastian starts to creep me out. I mean, he all the signs were there, but, I mean, we're really dealing with a giant piece of shit here. He rapes someone. He's sexually assaulting people again. Like, it, and again, even when, even when, you know, Linda is asleep and we start to get an, what looks like it's about to be yet another rape scene, I, I, I didn't, like, it kind of shocked me that it was a dream. Like, I thought that we were about to get the same thing again, and that would have been even more terrifying. So, uh, they played on my emotions there successfully because I was terrified that we were about to get our, you know, basically lead character raped. <laughs> I, I didn't like the way that was going. You know, my thing is the minute, the, the next time this guy put his hands on me, if I'm Linda, I'm beating the fuck out of him. I don't care if he's invisible, has a skin mask on or not, man. I, I am pulverizing this guy because I know they want to get him back to normal. But at that point, fuck him. He didn't deserve anything. I would beat the shit out of him. So and, and if I'm hurting Matt, if I'm hurting Matt, I'm smashing right in front of this motherfucker. I'm finding him wherever he is, and I am, I, I am hitting the walls right in front of, uh, right in front of him, man. So, uh, and again, I was not, again, I've never seen this movie. I don't know the plot. Was not expecting a murder. Like, I, like, I just didn't think he was going to end up being a murderer. I, I thought we may have a killless horror movie, which 
I kind of wish we had since all the kills fucking suck, which I'll address in the next set of scenes because that's all I had. Um, to me, this set of scenes just kind of dragged. Didn't have a lot to say. A lot of cool visuals, but nothing of real like substance to add. <clears throat> so yeah, when he's uh, you know, he's going for his cruise here, and he looks over to the other car. You got kids in the back seat. They're both on the same side. No seatbelt. Just looking out the window. Those parents get the man. Fuck those kids. Award of this movie. Hell yeah, man. Fuck them. Slam on the brakes. Send one of them to the front windshield. Uh, then. Yeah, what a scumbag, man. Like, going into his neighbor's apartment to spy on her is bad enough, but then sexually assaulting her. Like, that's despicable shit right there. And apparently, like you said, that there was a scene that was much more graphic, but test audiences hated it. Thank God, man. We don't need that. We It's implied, and that's enough. That's bad enough. Uh, and then it did kind of crack me up when he's like, how? I can't fucking see him. Well, dummy, you'd think you'd have your thermal goggles. Thermovision goggles on. Like that pisses me off so much in the remaining part of this movie is how they're all just walking around willy nilly with no fucking thermo goggles on, just hoping they bump into them. I hate that about this movie. And then Linda's dream, so intense because it was very plausible. Sebastian's already shown that he's a creep and he'll do that. So it's you know it's very believable to watch that. But it was kind of weird. Like that's the only dream sequence we get in this whole movie. And it really just added nothing other than to show that she was paranoid about him being a creep. But we already knew that. So when you feel the runtime like you feel in this movie, like shit like that, you just cut it, man. Cut it. And then pretty big leap in logic here that he could just grab a couple things off the shelf like that and know how to rig the camera. Like maybe he can. He's a scientist. But he just they just happened to have all the shit he needed. And it was just like two... He grabbed two things off the fucking shelf and MacGyvered it. Okay, sorry, I'm not buying it. Uh, and then, Jesus, the way he went Mike Vick on that dog, yeah, he needs to be dealt with. Like, raping, killing dogs brutally. Like, fuck this guy. Now, the last thing I've got, though, is the pool scene. I thought it was cool. Um, got a great flex of the special effects. Now, I get it. It didn't all age well, but at the time, you know, 23 years ago, that looked awesome. You could see, you know, you could see his shape because the water was on him, but you couldn't, he was still invisible. Like that was fantastic. But I do have a question though. Wouldn't Sebastian be leaving some wet footprints behind him? <laughs> I would have liked to see if you're going to throw little shit in like uh, showing her having the dream and showing him, you know, raping his neighbor. You could have at least had a scene where the wife runs downstairs and is freaking out, but she sees the footprints. So she knows something's up, but she runs out and there's no one there. Like, I don't know. It just that would have been cool, I think. Maybe not, but it's a, it's a decent set of scenes though because the the horror elements are really amping up and the thriller elements are really amping up. So I'm getting more and more into it, or more into it here than I was the last set of scenes. All right, guys, here's the ending. Back to the lab, and Linda walks into Sebastian, scaring her. He says it's going to be a busy day. Linda calls Kramer, and it's revealed he's dead. She calls General Caster now, and the phone dies. They go to alert security, but their authorization is invalid. The group assembles and Frank hacks into the system. All their access codes have been removed except Sebastian's. They all get their goggles and Janice is strangled to death as she exits the room last. They call for him and he tells her he can't let them turn him in. He says Kramer died before anyone was made aware of him. They realize Janice is gone and run back to the lab. They find her dead body in a locker. Matt said he's thought this through and Sarah smacks Linda in frustration. Carter says he doesn't care whose fault it is. What do we do next? Frank tries to restore access codes as they get weapons. 
Carter and Matt go into the halls to find Sebastian. Linda gives them directions, and Frank says he can't crack the encryption, but there's an access ladder they can climb out of. Carter finds heat, but it's just steam from a vent. Sebastian grabs Carter from above, and Matt shoots at him. Carter is dropped, and his neck is impaled. Sebastian tackles Matt and runs towards the lab, locking the door. Matt can't see him. There's thermals everywhere. Linda leaves to help Matt, and she tells Frank to help Carter. Matt and Sebastian exchange insults until Linda pulls Matt through the door. Sarah has Frank apply pressure on Carter's neck wound, and she leaves to get blood. Sarah goes to leave, but the door slams shut. She throws the blood all over the floor to see footsteps. She throws a bag of blood on him, but he knocks her over and he shoots her in the chest with a dart. He grabs her head and snaps her neck. Carter dies as Linda and Matt make it to them. They run off and see the blood all over the floor. Linda and Matt find Sarah's dead body in the cooler and Frank is killed from behind, like with an impalement, like a iron bar or something. Sebastian punctures into Matt's side with a crowbar. He kicks them in the cooler and sets it at negative 50 degrees. Linda puts duct tape all over his wound to stop the bleeding. Sebastian gets his skin on and dressed up to leave. Matt can't feel much and is shaking violently from the cold and blood loss. Linda rigs up a contraption that's magnetized so she can open the door from the inside. And personally, Dustin, I thought this was a little more ridiculous than uh, the camera MacGyver thing because I thought it was like, this is some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that's completely fair. But, but I'll let you touch on that in your scene by scene. Sebastian sets up a bomb with sulfuric acid to blow the lab up. She gets the door open and she drags Matt out and she lights a fire in a barrel to warm his body up. She grabs a tank and goes to find Sebastian. He goes to take the elevator, but she lights him on fire repeatedly. He removes all of his clothes and her tank runs out of air. He's invisible now, so he uses the fire to, she uses the fire to set off the sprinkler system. He smacks her and throws her into the wall. He puts his foot on her throat until Matt shows up with the bar and knocks him out. The two walk away as we see Sebastian stand up and grab the bar. He swings, but it's knocked into an electric panel and he's electrocuted. They make it to the lab and she sees there's 28 seconds until it blows up. They go to the access ladder in the elevator and begin climbing up as it detonates. The explosion launches the elevator up the shaft towards them. It hits her shoulder as it goes past. The roller bearings on the elevator break and it bounces against the wall, stopping right above them. They start to climb up the elevator ladder until Sebastian grabs a hold of Linda's leg. He grabs her by the neck and they fall on top of the elevator. Linda's, Linda and Sebastian kiss, but she grabs the cable behind him and disconnects the elevator and it falls below into the fire along with Sebastian. Matt grabs the cable and she climbs up to him. They walk out the building with emergency workers into an ambulance as the film ends. Brian, what did you think about the ending? I hated it. You know, this this right here is where the movie loses me. Uh, this final act right here in the lab, it, it just gets, a, it gets to the ridiculous point. Like Matthew and Sebastian should both be dead countless times. And, you know, then after being thawed out by a fire, Matthew just acts like he's golden to come fucking save the day. You know, I appreciate all of the use of, you know, these elements like blood on the floor, the steam, the fire extinguishers, all the stuff they throw around. I think it's a pretty cool way to, to approach this whole thing. But there's just so much stupid shit I can't get past. Like the serum doesn't make you super strong. So how the fuck is Kevin Bacon lying on some pipes, picking up Greg Grunberg's character off the ground by his fucking neck? You know, the ab strength you'd have to have to accomplish that. That man is not skinny. But anyway. I love. I do love Sarah's kill. It's simple, just a neck break, but it was unexpected to me. Uh, but I think my favorite kill. I'll go ahead and spoil it. It's Frank with the crowbar through the chest, and 
you know, that's of course right before he stabs Matthew with it. And uh, Elizabeth Shue shoves her damn hand in there like he, you know, like he wouldn't pass out from the pain. Okay. I mean, we're talking about Thanos here, but I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. Um, and then deep freezes his ass and, and we start the gambit of, of both of them dying multiple times, but not dying. So yeah, I didn't care for the ending at all. They should have just at least, at least if you're going to do all this shit, everybody should have just died with no survivors. I don't know. Maybe that would have saved it a little bit for me, but go ahead. Yeah, man, this movie turns into a fucking Michael Bay film in the last 25 minutes. I mean, we look, I know it's kind of out there to call a movie with an invisible man kind of grounded, but at this point, we this is just not the story that we've been fed so far. And then the last 25 minutes, I think it just shifts. Now, is it fun? Sure. But the whole movie's not like that. And I just I think it's so weird that this is the last final act that we get, I mean, first of all, were these people really shocked when their access codes were gone that it that it would have had something to do with Sebastian? They all looked shocked that that's why they couldn't, you know, get into any door or, you know, or get out of any doors. I'm like, well, no fucking shit, man. You, I mean, you pissed this man off. The movie just takes a complete shift, a hard right, and I, and I don't like it. Like, it starts to feel a little bit like a paint-by-numbers action movie. Or like a really like actiony, you know, horror chase scene or whatever. It it just becomes like a almost like a slasher chase scene. And I'm just not a big and look, much as I love a good slasher, that's just not the movie we've gotten so far. And I'm expecting something different. I will say, when they're sitting there when they're sitting there all yelling at each other and they're talking about whose fault it is, one guy says, It doesn't matter whose fault it is. Oh yes, the fuck it does. It is a hundred percent Linda and Matt's fault that this is the situation. Could have sold them out. A long time ago, they didn't have the boss stand up Sebastian. That's on them. This is 100% their fault, uh, which I, I was like, we're just going to let everybody off the hook for being a dumbass. Not me. I don't think so. Also, I think the fire extinguisher sprayed version of Kevin Bacon looked really fucking cool. I thought, however, they pulled that off of the effects. I thought it was really, really cool. Um, again, it, this, this, this ends up being some like weird love story here in the last act of the film instead of just, you know, this really cool science fiction, horror, thriller, it becomes like a weird love story, triangle, and I don't know, like it just kind of doesn't sit well with me. Um, You know, it's funny, you said that you like Sarah's kill. It's probably my, and I'm going to go ahead and spoil it, it is my least favorite of the kills because it's one, unexpected, but two, her plan is smart to throw out all this blood, but she gets killed by like dart gun and then a neck break like, none of the blood that's all over her is hers. It's just like a weird kill. Like, I wasn't a fan of the way they pulled that off. I mean, visually, it's fine. But it just the logic behind it didn't work for me. This freezer scene reminds me of the freezer scene from Scary Movie 2, uh, which you can listen to at don'tgoutthere.com. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm just saying. Uh, I do like the way that she was smart, found a way to open the freezer. But at this point, they've lost me with all these explosions and, you know, Matt coming back to life. There's just... Way too much going on. And then you have Sebastian that won't fucking die. This man has turned into Chucky from the first child's play. Like, he literally will not go away. Should have been dead a long time ago. I think I would have just preferred something more sinister, something more dark, like the rest of the tone of the film as we started to move into that direction. I just wanted something more thriller-esque, more creepy. Uh, You know, something in that realm. And I just don't think it was very befitting of the character that Kevin Bacon had put so much work into. Like, this doesn't feel like this... this should be the ending of this movie. So 
again, I had fun with it, but the ending let me down quite a bit. Yeah, same. Um, and again, I say, why aren't these people wearing their fucking goggles? Like, they should just have them attached to their face at this point. It's just stupid. It's the least logical thing that happens in this movie, I think. And then becoming invisible just gives him superhuman strength, like you guys said. I have a hard time believing that. Um, I have a hard time believing he could even lift Carter, let alone throw him. Like, that's fucking insane. Being locked in a freezer, like you mentioned, Scary Movie 2, that's how you act if you're in a freezer with a hot blonde. You don't just die like a pussy, be a man. But uh, yeah, I did laugh when she fixed him up with some duct tape because, I mean, you know what they say, if you can't duct it, fuck it, and he appears to be fucked. So that was fun. Pretty genius move to make a big-ass magnet to get free. Like, I, I always I always like that. That's, that's some good ingenuity there. Um, big fan. Uh, but why didn't she double tap? Now, I know that Brian enjoys Zombieland like I enjoy Zombieland, but you got to double tap. I do. I do as well. Got to double yeah, tap. It's baby. fantastic. You, you, you got him down like you knocked him in the head, but that's not enough. These people have got to be the dumbest scientists I think we've ever covered. Just re- remedial. Um, then the ending, like it was just so drawn out, so drawn out. This elevator shaft scene can go to hell. Like Sebastian, just like you said, will not go away. He's turned into the fucking Terminator. I, I don't know, man. It's just I, I'm done with it at this time. I'm fucking tired at this point. You didn't need it. Just have him die and then escape. That's good enough. We don't need this last, this you know, final stand. You're not Custer. Go to hell. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, let's jump into social media. We'll do Facebook first. Dustin's burner account, Dex Cole said, I remember the cover always got me as a kid, but I think it's an underappreciated slasher, essentially. Even though the CGI doesn't hold up as much, if you look past it, I think it's a fun film. Okay. Uh, Eric, do a little comment. This movie scared the crap out of me when I was younger, and then Scary Movie 2 ruined it, LMAO. Fun movie, though. I agree. I think it's fun as well. All right, we'll jump over to Instagram. Chris underscore 2020. Man, this movie creeped me out when I first saw it. How they delve deep into a psychopath's fantasies when given the power, and that's shown in a few disturbing scenes, trademark Verhoeven violence and practical effects with some poorly aged CGI, but overall a decent look into the Invisible Man genre. Okay. All right, bear with me. Black Han Solo, big fan of the show. He wrote kind of a long comment, but give me a minute. I revisited this movie a few years back when Lee Dub's Invisible Man dropped back in good old Roar in 2020 because some people brought it up in reviews of it. It creeped me out as a kid. But rewatching it as an adult, it creeped me out on a ex- entirely different level. I didn't like how fucking rapey Kevin Bacon is in the movie. <laughs> I vaguely remember him sneaking in the window girl's room, but in the version I watched during rewatch, it straight up confirmed he raped her. Matter of fact, Hollow Man was not too far from translucent in the show The Boys. I've never seen that show. Bruh, Dust, have you seen The Boys? Hell yeah. I think, I think which ironically features a little bit. Ryan talked me into it. That's so right, good. he did, he did talk you into doing that. Great. Speaking of superheroes, I forgot that baby-faced young Thanos was in this movie. Besides from a good cast and the ungraspable gorilla scene, I really don't see me rewatching this one again. I guess blame it on cancel culture, shrug, shrug emoji, but compared to 2020's Invisible Man, I think it did a better job of the translucent concept. Not surprising for 2000, though. Anyways, can't wait to hear you guys' takes on the film. Stay gory, fellas. Appreciate the comment. I like the stay gory, fellas, too. That's a cool line. All right, uh, let me jump over to Twitter now. 
First comment we got is from my guy CB underscore Texnol. He says, Stir of Echoes. That's not the movie we're doing, brother, but it's got Kevin Bacon in it, so I appreciate the comment. (laughs) (laughs) God. All right, go dog, Randy Smith comment, and not what I would call a classic, but not a bad movie either. Plus, it has Kevin Bacon in it, so it can't all be bad. Look forward to hearing y'all's take on it. Appreciate that, brother. Mm-hmm. Kevin Scanlon commented, this movie falls under the guilty pleasure category for me. I don't necessarily think it's a good movie, but I definitely think it's a fun one. I'll give it a 6 out of 10. Solid pick. Okay. And JB, true original, commented, I want to know what you guys would do if this was an ability you had. I would not rape women, first off. But I do think That's it would one be fun to do. just like, yes. I think it would be fun to just fuck with people, though. You know, kind of like on TikTok, like the people who like dress up as like the bushes and then jump and scare people. I would do that. I would oh, just like oh, throw oh, shit at God, people or something. People. Yeah. Oh, you're so innocent. I would be the richest motherfucker that no one would ever yep. see again. I'd be a Robin you damn right. Oh, I'm, I'm rich already. I can do whatever I want. Oh, it, it, it is on for today. We got it. It is recorded. It is recorded. He's a gentleman. If I was invisible. <laughs> All right, Brian, Dustin, let's go uh, to the fun facts now. Whoever's got them first can go ahead. I've got, I got two, Dustin. You want to go ahead, man? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Uh, first of all, Jennifer Lopez was offered the role of Linda McKay. Okay. Uh, Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. was considered for the role of Matthew Ken- Kensington. Um. This film uses the word fuck 45 times, so big fan of that. Nice. And then the last one that I have is that an early draft of the screenplay for this film was called The Incredible Dr. Nobody. In this version of the screenplay, Kevin Bacon's character bore the corny, if apt name of Dr. Noah Body. In rewrites, both the picture's title and the name of its lead character were changed so that the material could be taken seriously. That's the worst piece of dog shit I've ever heard. Thank God they <laughs> oh, didn't I'm do that. I'm so fucking glad that didn't happen. I, dude, this movie would go down a whole ass point or two. We would. I don't think we would have watched it if it was called <laughs> The Incredible Doctor Nobody. Yeah, probably not. Uh, I only have two. One of them is kind of long, but I'll say a short one first. Paul Verhoeven was investigated by the SPCA, like I brought up earlier, because of the scene in which Sebastian kills the dog. Verhoeven showed them the raw footage, which showed Kevin Bacon handing the real dog to a vet and taking a dummy from a crew member and slamming it into the cage. So um, Paul Verhoeven was dissatisfied with the film. In 2013, he remarked to The Hollywood Reporter that, I decided after Hollow Man, this is a movie the first movie that I made that I thought that I should not have made. Uh, It it made money and this and that, but it really is not me anymore. I think many other people could have done that. Uh, I don't think many people could have made Robocop that way or Starship Troopers, but Hollow Man, I thought there might've been 20 directors in Hollywood that could have made that. I felt depressed with myself after 2002. Uh, In earlier interviews, Verhoeven explained that the job was offered in a period where many of his proposed movie projects had fallen through and he accepted to stay in business. Uh, this movie had a budget of $95 million and wow. grossed a box office total of $190 million. So it made $100 million more than its budget. Pretty successful film. It's almost like if you slap Kevin Bacon on the fucking poster, that shit's going to sell out. Let's go. Be Freddy Krueger. This movie proves to me that he would be a fucking awesome Freddy Krueger. That's all I got to say. Is it because it shows his penis? Is that why, Mike? No, it's more the fact that he's a little fucking creep. I didn't know Freddy Krueger ever showed his penis. He Must did. Be so a different... kids, remember? There's no proof. 
This isn't Wait, the remake. <laughs> this isn't the remake. Fuck this shit. It was always. Hold on. It, it, see, that was just an accusation. It was always implied. It wasn't necessarily proven. You know. Anyway, uh, I'm just kidding. Of course, Freddie did that shit. That's not the reason, though. It's because he just with the skin mask that he wears and how creepy he is in this movie. I think he'd be a great fucking Freddy Krueger. Maybe he's a little too old now, too. I don't know, but well, I think I'd like to see it. Not not his penis. I want to see him play Freddy Krueger. I uh, <laughs> I agree. He did a good job in this movie, but I will say I wish Edward Norton would have got the part. That's my guy. You know, I'm gonna go to bat for him. Brad Pitt. Let's go. You should have also Edward Norton should have also been cast in Seven. Would have been a better movie. But I will you say don't like this: Morgan Freeman. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this also. Um, how would you? We've we've done three Kevin Bacon movies. This is the worst one of the three, right? Okay, we'll get to no. the ratings. Go ahead. No, not no. any. Oh, fuck you, Nico. No. Mike. Tremors is elite. Sons of bitches. Oh, I like Tremors. I like, I like Tremors. I like Tremors more than this one. Oh. I don't like Friday the 13th yeah, as much shit. as this one. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. All right. Y'all, y'all, all right. Let's get it back on track. Uh, let's jump into our favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. Uh, I'll go first. Favorite kill, I kind of don't really like any of them, but I'll go with... Uh, What's his name? Fucking Frank getting stabbed with a crowbar uh, just by default, really. Least favorite kill? I'm going with Sebastian just because I thought the ending was fucking ridiculous and he should have died many, many moons ago. When he got electrocuted, why the fuck didn't he die? He was covered in water and got electrocuted and bro lived? How? How, Sway? Does that serum make you invincible? You ain't got the answers. All right, anywho, rating. I think it's a good cast. I enjoy the movie all the way up to the end. I'm having a good time. I think the effects look really good, especially that fucking gorilla scene. That scene was awesome. I I enjoyed the hell out of this movie, honestly, until about the last 15-ish minutes of the movie. It, like Even the runtime doesn't bother me. I just think they could make way too many stupid decisions. Uh, like Dustin said, you don't just hit the guy with a crowbar and then drop it and walk away. Like You got to bat- You got to kill him, make sure he's dead, or at least give him a couple good whack-whacks, Pauls. But anywho, the movie falls apart at the end for me. <laughs> And I gave the movie a seven. Go ahead, Brian. Damn. All right. Uh, well, mine's short and sweet. I've I've spoken my piece about this movie, so I'm not going to repeat myself. Really, I'll just say this movie to me was an eight point five, maybe an eight point seven five before the ending, uh, and it brought it down a ton for me. I rated it a six point five. Oh, my favorite kill: Frank's crowbar kill. My least favorite kill: the fucking dog. Six point five. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I didn't have a favorite kill. I thought they were all lame as fuck. Honestly. I didn't pick one. My least favorite kill was Sarah, and I explained that already, so I don't have to go into that again. All right. So I think Hollow Man is a good time to start. And then it's a movie that kind of just shifts tone, and I commend it for being able to do that and pull it off somewhat at least. I mean, it never gets, quote, unquote, bad. But like I explained already, I just think there's a different version of this movie that I would really like. Uh, It's an interesting concept, so I love that. Cast is great. Acting is good along the way. We just started to drag at the end, and I felt like it was so over-the-top and ridiculous, not fitting with the rest of the film, even though we're talking about an invisible fucking piece of bacon. All in all, I'm glad we have this show, because I would have never saw this movie or Kevin Bacon's penis without it, and I'm glad I did. I rated this movie a 6.25. Wait, Mike, you haven't seen Wild Things? I have seen Wild Things. Man, let the joke sit. Damn it. Well, then then you have seen his penis. I know, but they didn't need to know that. No. Well, I'm just fuck is happening. <laughs> okay. My favorite kill, uh, I went with Dr. Kramer just because I thought it was the most creative since it's in water. 
And I thought it was a good flex of their uh, special effects. And, you know, with Sebastian being invisible in the water, but you can still see him. Least favorite kill, is it a cop-out to say the dog? Because that was fucked up. But if it is a cop-out, then I'll say Sebastian. Because uh, I agree, Nico is completely ridiculous. Bastard should have died a long, long time ago and just cut about 10 minutes off the movie. Uh, for the rating, general, and closing thoughts, it's not a bad movie. But it's certainly not without its flaws. Could have been about 45 minutes shorter if the damn team would have just worn their goggles the whole time. What's up with that? I thought the special effect, special effects, while they don't necessarily hold up well, considering the movie's 23 years old, they look great. All of them. They look great for the time. So hats off to that whole department. Uh, the runtime is a bit much, though. I felt it. The ending was ridiculous. His uh, progression into assholishness was too fast for me. Um, too much rape. So it's not a terrible movie, but I'm going to go with the six. Flat six for my rating. That puts us at a composite score of 6.4375. IMDb has it at a 5.8. Hey, we have uh, all pretty similar scores. Uh, I, I like episodes like that. Uh, yeah, good deal. Any final thoughts before we just uh, shout out our blood donors and all that good stuff? And Hey, Kenneth Welch, you, you're the blood final guy donor who paid for this. I really appreciate it, yes. man. It means a lot that you, you know, donate your money to us. I hope we did Definitely. your movie justice. Uh, and speaking of this movie... Stick, stick around at the end, uh, Mr. Greg Gun- Grunberg, excuse me. He gave us like a sneak peek behind the scenes of the movie and check it out. It's really, it's, it's good stuff. And, uh, I think y'all will enjoy it. Uh, let's shout out our blood donors. Really appreciate y'all. Y'all take a big burden off us, help us pay these bills because, uh, times are tough right now. And when I get it a hundred percent, uh, camper level reoccurring, Clayton J, Nina, Michelle Mirza, Andrew Ferguson, the horror movie crew podcast, Alex Seligson, Eric Doolittle, Sean Irwin, Brian Samick, and Michael Evans. Our camp counselor reoccurring are Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez-Gunn, Joe Swinford, Jennifer Davis from the Too Close to Home podcast, Kyla Denise, all the way from Australia, Adrian Aiello, Jake Hambrick, Clay Moore, Karen, Matt Strickland, and Gail Kuntz. Just want to say really appreciate y'all and thank y'all so much for your financial contribution. Y'all got any final thoughts before we uh, just have Brian announce his uh, pick for next week? I was just going to say it's pretty cool. Like I said last episode, film review number 200. So we've obviously got more episodes than that because we've been lucky enough to do a lot of interviews and bonus shows, which have been a ton of fun. But we reviewed 200 episodes now. Pretty cool. Heck, yeah. Hey, Mike, why don't you announce your theme real quick, uh, which is no theme. <laughs> well, so I say, I really don't have a theme. I, you know, We've been doing theme for you know th- this whole year so far, and I just decided, you know what? Let's let our my fellow co-hosts pick the movie they want to review, or a movie they've been wanting to review. They haven't quite found a way to fit it into the theme month, so I went with ahead. I went ahead with a little bit of a freestyle month. We had got to throw them in every now and then, so we can, as they say in the wrestling business, get our shit in, pal. So I'm very excited that we get to do whatever movie we fucking want to. <laughs> Brian, announce your pick, brother. So I went with uh, uh, the runner-up from my poll last month, and I went with 2001, the year I graduated high school. It's uh, Johnny Depp-led. He's playing Fred Aberlene, uh, you know, tracking down Jack the Ripper. And uh, so how much better could could it get? It's uh, From Hell. 2001's From Hell. It is a little bit long, I I would say, but... uh, Pause. And I'm sorry for that. Damn. (laughs) 
<laughs> all right, this episode has been ridiculous. Appreciate all the fan support. Uh, appreciate y'all for doing the show with me. And y'all have a good one. We'll be back with From Hell next week. It's me, Carter Abbey. I made it out of the Hollow Man alive. You know, when everybody else was looking for Kevin Bacon. And uh, that green suit of his, the invisible guy. Uh, I was not dead on the floor. That wasn't me. That wasn't... Oh, my God. Where do I start? I First of all, loved doing that show. It's Greg Grenberg, of course, here. Um, and that movie still holds up. I mean, the effects are awesome, all of that. I'll tell you a couple of things. One thing was... Um, this is, I've never talked about this, but we had the table read like before the, you know, we were going to shoot and it was a big move for me. I was on Felicity at the time, a show and, and shooting that and Felicity at the same time. I was like, what? It's crazy. And a friend of mine, Jennifer Garner was shooting a, a time of your life on the Sony lot. And so I would, I had this bike and, uh, um, uh, Josh Brolin and I would wheel around J Joey Slotnick and I would grab the golf cart. It was so much fun being on that movie. It was crazy. I'm going to go very long with this. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. Um, but Paul Verhoeven, man, what a director and what a great experience. And it was this huge movie. It was our fir my first movie. And uh, Kevin, everybody was great. Elizabeth Shue, Lisa is still, she goes by Lisa. She's still uh, a good friend. It just, I, I made so many good friends. Mary Randall, um, Kim Dickens, who, you know, obviously went on to The Walking Dead. It was a really good cast, good people in that cast. But anyway, um, it was all about the special effects. It was all about timing because they didn't want to pay, they didn't want to, uh, you know, have to, you don't do effects, those crazy effects at that time, crazy, uh, you know, really advanced, expensive effects, and then cut it. You know, you don't want to do effect. So you cut the scene just to the second that you needed it so that it, it wouldn't have to be, you know, the visual effects wouldn't have to be done, special effects. So the direction of it, I was so excited to be working with Paul Verhoeven, but the direction of it was like, you know, okay, so uh, here we go, here we go. And then finally, it was all about the visuals. And then finally, when Mary Randall falls out of that, you know, she dies and she falls out of the locker, and we're all like, oh, oh my God. Um, I had this thing where I'm like, you know, what are we going to do? Let's go. Like, come on, man. This is, it's now or never. We, you know, it was something. I had this like, come on, let's go. You know, was it the Germans at Pearl Harbor? Hell no. Germans, he's on a roll. And it ain't over now. Whatever. So <clears throat> I had my moment, had my line, and then they were cut, cut. And then Paul is walking over to me, Paul Verhoeven. And I'm like, oh my God, here's the moment. This is the moment. I'm going to get the note. And he walks over to me and he grabs my shoulder and he moves me this way. And he goes, okay, good. Let's do it again. That was his note. That was my big actor note was don't stand this way. Stand this way. Okay, let's do it again. But man, what a great role. Carter Abbey, that whole thing. I could go on and on. There were so many great moments, so many great things that I learned from there. Um, but um, it was just a great experience. And I, I look back fondly on that movie for sure. Um the table read I was going to tell you about, we were in the table read and, and we were all sitting there and, and I'm like, do I speak up? This is my first thing. Oh my God, there's Kevin Bacon. You know who, by the way, is the most normal, nicest guy ever. Best professor. Just such a pro. So great. And because I read the script and I was like, this is so, like if I was invisible, I wouldn't immediately start squeezing boobs and, and, uh, you know, um, and, and, uh, you know, all the stuff that he did. I, I would like, 
Like the, my, one of my favorite parts of the movie is when he pulls up next to those kids in the car and he looks and he goes, ah, and he scares them. Like I would go rob a bank. I would go whisper in people. I, but he, you know, he's a voyeur. It's got to be sexual, which I was like, ugh, what are we doing? You know, there's so many great opportunities here. That was just, I mean, between us, just between us. That was my thought. I was like, but when I watch back the movie, I'm like, okay, the story could have been a hell of a lot better, but the effects were great. The characters were good. It was this super high budget. It was really a great experience. It was so great. Um, but my one bit of advice, if I could, you know, sum it all up from my experience on the Holloman and just in life and in general, and just knowing you, Brian, as well as I do, because I, I really feel like that we know each other and we're, we're, we're bonding. Um, but my one advice to you just going forward in life is um, don't go out there. Don't go out there. When the hell